Happy New Year. Welcome back to the New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. Everything you need is at NewWorldNextWeek.com. And of course, we implore you to submit story ideas on Twitter using hashtag NewWorldNextWeek. James, let's begin with a mostly positive story to kick off 2014 and one I think that will reverberate throughout the year. Original Cheerios to go GMO-free, and we'll take this from NBC News. General Mills, which is funny, GM, says some Cheerios made without genetically modified ingredients will start appearing on shelves soon. The Minneapolis-based company said it's been manufacturing its original flavor Cheerios without GMOs for the past several weeks in response to consumer demand. It did not specify exactly when those boxes are going to be on sale. Original Cheerios will now be labeled as not made with genetically modified ingredients, although that's not an official certification. The labels will also note that trace amounts of GMO ingredients could be present due to contamination during the manufacturing process, said Mike Saminas, a company spokesman. The change does not apply to any of the other Cheerios flavors, apple cinnamon, multigrain, honey nut, you name it. The interesting part, James, the counterpoint to this is the angle I think most have taken to poo-poo this move to say, bah, it's just a marketing move. A non-Frankenfood Cheerios may not make much of a difference to consumers' health, but it could deliver some benefits to General Mills' bottom line. I think it's totally a marketing move, said David Just, professor of applied economics and director of the Center for Behavioral Economics in Child Nutrition Programs at Cornell. They're playing to an audience that, sort of bluntly, has an irrational fear of GMOs. Consumers have really latched on to this Cheerios campaign, also said Elizabeth O'Connell, campaign's director of environmental nonprofit Green America, which launched the campaign in November 2012 for non-GMO Cheerios. So it gets into the social networking and the push to kind of make this happen. It goes on to describe the bandwagon. Everybody's jumping on this crazy non-GMO bandwagon. A couple of interesting related James from QZ.com. Monsanto calls GMO-free Cheerios a marketing stunt. And meanwhile, in the background, the Obama administration urging the approval of new GMO crops to fight superweeds that have become super because they're resistant to the Roundup that we've been using. So the answer is let's do more of the same that's already causing the problems. James. I don't know about you, James, but every time I hear one of these industry-funded shills saying that people have an irrational fear and that this is a worrying trend, it's like music to my ears. And uh, you just have to wonder, what possible reason could anyone have for caring that certain people don't want to eat a certain type of food? How on earth does that impact you in any way, shape, or form, unless your bottom line is funded by the GM industry? So that's something to keep in mind with regard to that. And uh, I'm going to bite my tongue and not snatch defeat from the jaws of this victory because it is a victory of sorts. And I guess we could poo-poo it and say Cheerios, you know, big deal. And we could point out, yes, it's oats uh, is the primary ingredient in Cheerios and there are no GMO oats, so it is, uh, it is not exactly a big leap out there for them to, uh, to make non-GMO uh, Cheerios. But 
at any rate, it does show that there is a rising tide of public opinion against this, and that is the thin edge of the wedge that really is the only possible solution long-term to this, is for people to stop buying GM crap and to make it known that they will boycott companies, they will put their foot down, they will stop buying things, and they will buy other products that are GMO-free. And there are disclaimers to this. For example, the story notes that uh, there is going to be trace amounts of GM contamination in the manufacturing process of this, because again, it is being produced in a factory uh, with a lot of other GM crap, so we have to keep that in mind, and we shouldn't be cheering General Mills too much. But at any rate, it, I think it is a positive sign about a positive trend. But there is the underlying point, and I, I, I will have to put this out there on the table. The underlying point of this is that it, it, this is almost impossible with any other type of food, because almost everything else is genetically modified to an incredible degree, whether it's corn or soy or whatever product or crop you're looking at. Uh, there has been so much GM contamination that this is almost impossible to do with anything that isn't comprised mainly of oats or something that hasn't been genetically modified. So, so, so a lot of the contamination has already been done, but again, the only possible solution is comes from the consumer putting their foot down. That's it. And I think that brings up the kind of now overused phrase of the, you know, the genies out of the bottle as far as GMO contamination. I would also throw in the alternative for folks to check out the Washington state based company. Uh, oh, now the name escapes me. That's the great alternative to, to the O's James. I'll, I'll come up with it and we'll, we'll bring that up at the end. But I think it's, it's interesting. The other angle too, is that, you know, this irrational fear. And I saw it working in the, the grocery store over over six years. When gluten-free started to happen, people would ask for the gluten-free version of something that never had gluten in it in the first place. When BPA blew up, I had people asking, oh, is this BPA? It never had BPA in the first place. So you have people who are starting to ask the right questions, but perhaps not in the right way. And then that lets the white coats and the experts go, oh, you silly consumer idiots. You don't even know what you want. Having said all that, James, we'll move to our second story this week. And of course, probably almost every week we could give some kind of update on the unfolding, ever unfolding, ever growing scandal of the National Security Administration here in the States. So a story submitted from our good friend at G.J. Salisbury on Twitter by way of Der Spiegel. Internal NSA catalog reveals backdoor exploits to most electronic devices. Specialists at the NSA succeeded years ago in penetrating companies' digital firewalls. A document viewed by Spiegel resembling a product catalog reveals that an NSA division called ANT, A-N-T, which presumably stands for Advanced or Access Network Technology, has burrowed its way into nearly all the security architecture made by major players in the industry, from Cisco to Huawei to Dell here in the States. The list reads like, as it said, a mail-order catalog, one from which other NSA employees can order technologies from the ANT division for tapping their target's data. The catalog even lists the prices for these electronic break-in tools, which costs ranging from free to $250,000. So we'll include not only that full story from Der Spiegel, but also the Wikipedia entry on the NSA ANT catalog and also a couple of other related NSA update stories concerning one, James, that I think contained in all of these revelations, an interesting angle that, that you pointed out to me. That's right, uh, talking about the continuous wave generator. And for people who saw the to, pr uh, to 
Protect and Infect Part 2, the uh, the viral video of Jacob Applebaum's presentation to the C30C uh, conference, where uh, he was presenting this this information on the day that it broke in Der Spiegel. Um, he was he, he basically shoehorned this in at the very, very end of the presentation when he only had a minute left, so he had to get off the stage, which was kind of weird in and of itself. But anyways, he's talking about the most incredible, crazy thing that, uh, that uh, any sane or rash- rational person would find almost unbelievable that they could do this. And it's something to do with beaming energy into people by which they can then use uh, that energy to track what people are typing, even on computers that aren't connected to the internet via some kind of, I don't know, remote sensing devices or some some sort of crazy thing that I couldn't quite follow the details of what he's saying. I invite people to check out the documents. They're there under Spiegel. Go check, check out that video. Um, anyone who can explain to me what this continuous wave generator is and how it works, that, I'd be interested to hear about it. But uh, anyway, that's just a little nugget that he threw in at the end of the presentation. Uh, other things to say about this, these documents are from 2008, so they're already outdated. They're five years old, so anything that, uh, uh, that looks cutting edge in these documents is going to be old news by now. But, uh, but, uh, and again, we could poo-poo it by saying we already knew this, but there are some thing, positive things that will come out of this, one of them being that pressure that will be on these companies specifically to go on record to say, yes, we knew about it and we cooperated, or no, we had no idea they had these back doors, and now we'll do something about it. Either way, it's going to be a win because people will find out more specifically about the connections uh, between these companies and the NSA, which, again, we already suspected all along, but at least we're going to put that out on the table. And hopefully... The more motivate the exact same type of public anger that was part of that GMO story, because again, if you are buying the routers from Cisco or the the iPhone from Apple or whatever it is, you are buying into this surveillance state with your own money. So keep that in mind next time you make a purchase from one of these companies. Um, And just one more thing I'm going to throw in there. I'm going to throw in a related to a, a very interesting story, the Crypto Kids and the Rubik's Party Signal to Snowden, which is another angle on this Applebaum presentation under Spiegel and the question of whether these Tau documents came from Snowden, which as far as I know, this has not been said directly. This is all being coy. This all relates to the Snowjob soap opera and the backstory and the possibility that in fact, Applebaum and others were setting Snowden up to get these documents specifically, and they actually met with him in April in Hawaii as part of the spring break of code and blah, blah, blah. It's a big big backstory. For people who are interested in that and the soap opera aspects of that, I'll direct you to that related story. And um, again, we could talk about this every single week, but uh, I guess the only thing that we can say about this that will never get old, the TLDR of all of this is, this is what full spectrum dominance looks like. So James, we'll include those relateds and one of those that that I did reference, you almost kind of spoke to. So one coming from either Augov or threat level, how the NSA almost killed the internet. And it basically is talking to Google and Yahoo and all these companies that now basically find themselves in the position of, well, our user base feels completely betrayed and doesn't trust us anymore, but yet the government has the keys to the kingdom and will shut us down if they so see fit. So how the NSA almost killed the internet. Does the NSA spy on Congress? And sounds like yes. So all of those relateds will be included in the show notes. As always, we'll include everything that we cite and source here so you can go check it out for yourself. James, our third and final story this week is I find really fascinating and it, and it hits straight into the media monarchy style kingdom. A, a really interesting piece from CNN. When celebrity meets brutality, 
Rodman not the first to mix with repressive regimes. Dennis Rodman's big, big bang in Pyongyang may be in a league of its own, but other celebs have performed for audiences associated with repressive regimes, too. Unlike Dennis Rodman, most proclaim innocence or apologize and even donate some of the proceeds after the public finds out and gets mad. Dennis Rodman, on the other hand, said, I don't give a rat's ass what the hell you think, talking about what are you doing in North Korea, now getting into it with uh, uh, an imprisoned missionary's family, and he did apologize for that. However, celebrities often campaign against human rights issues rather than accepting money to play for a despot. Stephen Van Zant, of course, of Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, led a coalition of musicians in the 80s against the South African regime recording the song Sun City to raise money for anti-apartheid projects. George Clooney revealed last year that he uses the millions he's paid for Nespresso coffee commercials to pay for a satellite to keep an eye on the government of Sudanese President Omar al-Bashir. Their deeds become part of their brand. But sometimes what activist artists perceive as noble efforts haunt them for decades, such as Hanoi Jane spent the last 40 years living down the infamous photograph of her sitting on a North Vietnamese anti-aircraft gun during a 1972 visit to Hanoi when the U.S. was still at war with that country. In 1982 and 1990, the West Indies cricket players took large payments to tour South Africa despite an international anti-apartheid sporting boycott and they are branded as mercenaries. They've been shunned by their rebel tours. WikiLeaks published secret diplomatic cables in February 2011 revealing that Beyonce, Usher, and Mariah Carey performed a private concert funded by the family of the now-deposed and dead Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi. When video was posted online last June showing Jennifer Lopez singing Happy Birthday, Mr. President, to the leader of Turkmenistan, which has been called one of the most repressive regimes in the world, she pleaded ignorance. Now, getting back and wrapping this up, and there are a lot of interesting other points that I've kind of jumped out and left out that, that kind of flesh these stories out. Getting back to the beginning of Dennis Rodman, it's a NBA columnist, a guy named Peter Vesey, speculated on CNN that Rodman and other players have money, not world peace in mind. It's a payday. I'm sure that's the bottom line. I don't think they're going just to see the 38th parallel. So, James, we talk about North Korea from time to time, and we talk about and, and have a lot over the last several weeks bashed on the, the celebrity worship culture. Do you have any take on or is there any kind of take in, in your neck of the woods on the Dennis Rodman North Korea thing? You know, there probably would be, but I actually haven't checked the Japanese media for their take on this. If uh, maybe, maybe it's, I don't know if it's a big story over here. Maybe not. Dennis Rodman, probably not such a big uh, celebrity in Japan anyway. But, uh, but it is an interesting story, I, I guess, from that perspective. Just uh, uh, North Korea is just always a, a fascinating and, and interesting uh, kind of wild card in the geopolitical chessboard. Um, this is more up your alley, so I'll let you have the final word on this. But I just, uh, I thought it was personally kind of funny. I'd never heard about that Beyonce, Usher, Mariah Carey, Nelly Furtado, others playing for Muammar Gaddafi, and uh, Jennifer Lopez play, pleading ignorance. I didn't know Turkmenistan's president was a dictator. Um, <laughs> but I'll be happy to take his money. Um, I thought that was all funny. But I notice you've got a related about Meryl Streep calling out Walt Disney for sexism and 
and anti-Semitism, which is an interesting little uh, story. But um, I, I, for my money, I, I wish she'd call him out for the fact that he uh, inserted a lot of uh, pedophilia into pretty much uh, subliminally, subliminally into pretty much every Disney production. Uh, the fact that he was uh, a Freemason and the whole Club 33 at uh, Disney World and the fact that he was an FBI informant and good buddies with J. Edgar Hoover for most of his career. I wish uh, that type of information would get out. But for some reason, the CFR Clooney's and the other uh, celebrity uh, shills don't don't tend to touch on those subjects. So as I speak to you now, it's only been a few hours ago. This was at the National Board of Review Awards ceremony in New York last night, late January 8th. Meryl Streep calls out Walt Disney as sexist and anti-Semitic. So if this is going to make it into the news, it's going to be happening as you guys are, are watching this on the 9th. Interestingly enough, though, her hatred of Disney isn't going to stop her from appearing in an upcoming Disney film. So that's the thing that always really kind of irks me. I just wish people mean what they said and said what they meant and stuck with it. So having said that, James, nature's path is the cereal company I was trying to think of at the top of the show that does great work. They've actually called out other companies for their organic fakery. They're one of the first members and huge supporters of the, the anti-GMO or no-GMO labeling prospect. So that's, that's nature's path. So having said that, we'll wrap all this up. And again, mention to folks, submit story ideas on Twitter using hashtag New World Next Week because James, you and I can't catch it all. We just try and put it into about a 15-minute video once a week. Well, nice way to quick kick off 2014. Looking forward to many more this year. And uh, thank you to all of you out there for waiting patiently while we're away. James, looking forward to it next week. Thanks so much, man. Take care.